0: Hey, this is Zach Catanzaro. And I'm Walker Lukens. We're the hosts of Song Confessional, the only podcast where today's top songwriters turn your anonymous stories into original songs. This week, we've got a salacious tale of train platforms and anonymous hookups. Austin songstress Buffalo Hunt transforms the confession into a cinematic indie pop gem exploring the dark pleasures of our bad decisions. Listen to Song Confessional at KUTX.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. from KUT
1: and KUTX Studios.
0: Hello
2: and Happy New Year! Welcome to this song, 2016. This year, we're looking forward to sharing lots of conversations with lots of artists about musical experiences that transform them and changed them and help them set the course for their creative life because yeah, it happens. You get hit upside the head or maybe upside the soul by certain pieces of music and suddenly, well, it's like you're handed a map to exactly where you need to go. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and my This Song resolution for 2016 is to be very upfront with asking you, the listener, for a little help. If you dig the podcast, please take a minute to click on over to iTunes and leave a rating or a review. Doing that helps us raise the profile of the podcast, and I'm not going to lie, it makes all of us on the This Song team feel really good. I'm inspired to ask for help by one of the featured artists on This Song episode of this song, Shawnee Kilgore. You'll hear later how she inspired Joss Whedon in the same way. And we'll also hear from Daisy O'Connor. All three of these artists had experiences of hearing music that showed them the way, the way they wanted to write or the way they wanted to tell stories, the way they wanted to be. And I want to let you know that in the next episode of this song, we'll be talking to Matthew Logan Vasquez of Delta Spirit and Michael Kincaid from what made Milwaukee famous. So here we go. First off, Shawnee Kilgore and Joss Whedon. I'm grouping them together and putting their interviews side by side because, well... They are collaborators. They work together. Shawnee is a singer and a songwriter in Austin. She released a record last year called A Long and Precious Road, and she and Joss Whedon are musical collaborators. Now, Joss Whedon is not known primarily as a musician. He's a writer and director. He created my favorite TV show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and he directed the Avengers movies, but he's stepping outside of that world to write songs with Shawnee. They released a single last year called Big Giant Me, and they're gearing up to record a full record this year. They were in town doing some writing and agreed to come to KUTX and talk not just about the songs that inspired them individually, but also about... Their musical partnership. So here they are, Shawnee Kilcourt and Joss Wheaton.
3: Shawnee really wants to start. I, first. I really,
4: really, really, really. <laughs> um, yeah, no. For me, um, you know, you get uh, you get asked a lot. Uh, you know interviews you know what what not you know what your influences were uh, and when you started playing music and like there's only one there's only one name for me um it really is um ani defranco was um just a total game changer life changer like there's i can't think of even anyone else at the time that was even remotely um doing for me uh, what she was doing
1: well the heat is so great it plays tricks with the eye. It turns, roll into water Concrete starts at the sink Yeah, there's a bathroom in a gas station i locked myself in it
3: to the
4: sink Yeah, it was just, it was a revolutionary kind of It was just like, that is what I must do Like, she is the greatest thing um, And, uh, yeah, and just, just the way that she played And the words that she said And just her, just everything about her was like, that is what I want
2: that's what I want to do, like, with my life, kind of, in So, yeah. So, were you a teenager when you heard Ani Diffingo? Yeah,
4: I want to say it was maybe 14, 13 or 14. And were you playing music at the time or singing or? I think that was probably right after. It was right around the time. Um, it must have been right around the same time because I, um, I also started playing music. No, I think I started playing music first, to get famous, so that I could marry the lead singer of the band Silverchair. Um, that oh, was that, that was a great yeah. That was actually also my story. That, that was the initial it's like I have to get famous and there happened to be a guitar at my house like it wasn't even like I want to play music so I can be like him it's just like no I need to get famous um was I, it like, I, I chose really wisely so that we can meet
2: and play a show together and then our eyes will lock and then as we will... soon
4: I knew that as soon as he met me it would, it would the they would seal the deal um so I so I think I had just started to play I had the guitar I was doing whatever I was doing writing punk songs is ridiculous um and yeah and then I think Ani came along and was like okay I actually have some like clear artistic direction now as opposed to just you know twitter-baited unhealthy uh, (laughs) obsession
1: (laughs) I am not an angry girl but it seems
2: like I've got everyone's fault every time I say something they find hard to hear they chalk it up to my anger and never to their own What, how she made you feel? Like, what was it about her music as opposed to like all the other music you had heard in your life?
4: Um, it was, um, it was just really how I felt, I guess. And she was, um, she was just so raw and so real about it and just so much who she was and unapologetic and um just a badass. She was just such a badass and so strong. And um and yeah, she was singing about love, singing about feminism, singing about, you know, just having having a a tough time and um um and also just this tremendous beauty. Um and um, also, just the way she played guitar is like amazing finger picking like every song that she's ever written like she's doing something different on there You know, it's like I have like three, you know, picking patterns that I <laughs> that I do Got a garden of songs where I
1: grow all my thoughts Wish I could harvest one or two, some small talk Seems like I'm starving for words whenever you're around Nothing on my tongue so much in the ground nothing on my tongue so
4: much in the gray. for some reason I went straight into like punk um stuff just writing really silly like power chords maybe because power chords were like the easiest mm-hmm. you just throw it into drop d and all you need is like a finger and just you know move it around um and but I think it probably wasn't until I heard her that I actually It's like, okay, let's sing about something other than like my dreams, you know, like spaghetti (laughs) swimming pools, you know, like. um, Did you write a song about a spaghetti swimming pool? I have I have a song called I Can't Sleep and it's all just this weird dream stuff. So I'm like, where legs without bodies can walk around steady and I can go swim in a sea of spaghetti. (laughs) And then the chorus, I can't sleep. I can't sleep this it sucks and then it, like yeah it was like yeah, yeah. it was pretty great like people still remember that right? song that's the song <laughs> that's, you're gonna yeah, talk that's, about <laughs>
3: that's, that's, that's my big influence. And, and do yeah. you
4: do you go to like an Ani DeFranco place
2: when you write now I mean do you kind of try to put yourself in a like not in a place of like I'm going to play write an Ani DeFranco song but like okay. I am gonna be like as brave or as
4: I honest. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm in, inextricably, um, linked to that, to that place. Um, and just, yeah, just, I always go for, um, you know, little, little stray here and there, but, um, I definitely go for the raw, honest, real, you know, it's like, I Don't wanna rip people's hearts up, but I wanna I definitely wanna get in there and even if it hurts, I wanna like poke around a little bit, you know. It's (laughs) like it's in there, it's real, just please feel it, and you know, and and it's okay. Um it's I I wanna be a comfort for people in that way in a voice where maybe they don't have one.
1: There's a Robin singing at your window. thing goin' If I could sing a robin song I would It was morning when I read your letter It was evening when I read your
3: face. I don't I don't have nearly as um uh, uh exciting a story because I'm I'm although I'm mostly known for my songwriting um I did spend some time doing other things and uh um, and I also had a very weird sort of upbringing, which was mostly comprised of show tunes and movie scores. That's mostly what I know. And and um, we had a few sort of cultural touchstone albums when I was a kid, like we had Sergeant Pepper's, and we had Working Man's Dead, and you know. So I was more or less aware of what was going on elsewhere, mm-hmm. but um, but I did live in this weirdly rarefied atmosphere, except. Um, Really, uh, and every when I thought about the songs, it really transformed me every time. I can I keep coming back to the dead, um, uh, and in particular, for some reason, Shakedown Street. It's, it's by far not my favorite And I like a much grittier And more sort of earthy sound Just listening to them and the band growing up That was the stuff I love folk and I love country Because like show They're they're about stories Stories you know I grew a lot of the stuff when I was coming up You know in the age of like Prog rock and stuff was Sort of a given that you would have no idea What songs were about
2: They were incredibly obtuse
3: And then you know Early REM, where it's like, I don't know what he's saying at all. So it's really moving, but what did he say? So the uh, stuff that was sort of narrative really affected me, um, and I, I was thinking about Shakedown Street, particularly because of Staggerly. me it was like a kind of song that i just hadn't heard now obviously there have been more than dozens or more than a 100 versions of staggerly in that story. Um, But the Robert Hunter, Jerry Garcia one, is the only one where a woman comes up and shoots him in the balls um, (laughs) for killing her boyfriend. And just the way it was presented, too, the way it was just, it's in the middle of a verse. It just sort of like, as he's staggerly the cigarette, she shot him in the balls. Blah, 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 next thing, next thing, next thing. It's not even like the climax. It's like, oh, and that happened, too. And it's just... That made me so happy. <laughs> That's the story I want to tell over and over and over.
0: <laughs> As
3: that for me, it was, you know, there, there are a lot of key ideas that I got from them. And then that was right when I was starting to see them live.
2: Were you, and, uh, were you like a deadhead? Did you go? I was a deadhead. Really?
3: Yeah. Um, this started, J-Down 3 came out when I was in high school in England. Um, and they started, they came to England a few times. Uh, they came touring in Europe, which they hadn't done for a while. Mm-hmm. So I got to see them there. And then, um, when I was in college, uh, in Connecticut you know they'd be all over that you know every year so yeah. we'd all pile into a car and
2: Whoa how many Dead shows have you seen?
3: Really not only about 15. Which um, which
2: like for any other band would be right. like you've seen who 15 <laughs> so, times but for the Dead right. is like a, no,
3: you're, a you're it's yeah, Those do. numbers are kind of low. A little bit.
2: Yeah, I don't
3: have <laughs> even a merit badge about <laughs> Deadheads with only 15 shows but
2: Mostly, and so you're attracted to narrative in mm-hmm. songs, and especially like this kind of out of place feminist narrative that you found in in Sagar Lee. And then, but you weren't writing music at the time, or, or were no, you?
3: When you were, I thinking? mean, not really. No, I was writing songs a little bit in my head, but it wasn't until I actually sat down to really write a musical, which was a musical episode of my TV show, that uh, I actually learned to play piano badly, and guitar, worse, um, just so I could write the songs for the musical. And then that sparked a whole sort of a golden era of just writing songs. I'd learn a new chord, I'd write a new song. I was like a mini Shawnee for like the space of a while. Then I had kids, so that ended. (laughs) Um, But
2: uh, Eras. Life is all about eras. It really is. It
3: really is. And then, um, you know, a new one started when... I saw the Kickstarter for "Let That Songbird Go," and was just like, "Oh, this is talking to me very personally." And so
2: maybe for people who don't know this this story, that you found Shawnee's Kickstarter. Like, were you just randomly scrolling I, through Kickstarter? Like,
3: I was back in England. I was shooting the sequel to the Avengers, and I was um, by myself, and I had a Kickstarter problem <laughs> for a little while there. And uh, was
2: it like your secret safe place that you would go yeah, to, like, was, escape the whole? being in charge of millions of people
3: yeah. and millions of dollars? was just sort of, I would just, yeah. I'm like, oh, that looks sweet. Oh, I want one of the, that. that's enough. What a coat rack. I need that. They should make more of those. And, you know, and, um, uh, and I heard hers and I was just kind of blown away. Okay,
4: so I know that. I, I'd be
2: interested to know, like, what it was about, you know, you're on Kickstarter and there's a million people's music projects. I mean, in mm-hmm. addition to coat racks that are, yeah. that the world needs. Um, what it was about, like Shawnee's, like you've talked a little bit about about it, but what the difference was between all that other music and what her music kind of made you feel, or like sparked an interest to to start getting back into songwriting after a after a break.
3: I th- there's two things, both of which she know. One is the uh, um, the words, because she was holding up cards. Um, And there were two cards, and one said, I am learning how, and the other said, to ask for help. And that blew me away. I felt such a connection to that, because that is something in my life that I have tried to uh, embrace. And it was just at that stage where I was like, I need to understand how to um, sort of build myself around and with other people, and, and that's not my forte. And it was just very moving to me. And then the tune.
1: Backyard beauty, player, late night duty, dragon slayer, touch the flame, the night delivers. breathing fire, seething rivers.
3: Just the melody that was playing behind her the whole time got stuck in my head. The song that occurred to me, which was an odd song. Um, uh, was sort of, wasn't necessarily to that tune, but I had that sort of ethos just running in my head for like days and days and days. So
2: that and melody, that, that melody kind of is what inspired, melody
3: inspired. Inspired the song, which was the single that we actually put on iTunes, Big Giant Me.
2: So how does it all come together when you guys are writing together? Because you're doing, you're right now in Austin doing co-writing, and so you've got this Annie, F- Shawnee's got an I
3: pointed that you can't run. see it on the radio.
2: So Shawnee's got this Annie DeFranco kind of honesty, bravery. Like let's let's get inside and like poke around, and even if it hurts, we're gonna like we're gonna go there. And you've got this this love of narrative, and you're kind of coming back into songwriting after a break and, and doing other things. And so, how is it all like coming together when you guys?
3: It's right we hate each other <laughs> yeah.
4: it's all been long distance until now. I'm actually really uncomfortable <laughs> being this close um, now we have our so so far anyway we have our we've written um five songs so far and, and they, that's being a like Being in different
3: places. Well, right. Different different countries for most of it.
2: Yeah. Whoa. I didn't know where you were most of the time. (laughs)
3: Neither
2: did I. What Um, a beautiful like way that the internet, you know, of all mm -hmm. the bad things that the internet has brought us and, you know, this kind of omnipresence of information all the time. Like what a great.
3: Well, when she sent me the tune, which was l- less than two days after I'd sent the lyrics, for big um, she yeah, she sent me a recording of it, and I played it for everybody on set. I'm like, "Listen, to what I, look, this is what I did. We did this. The movie's not going to be very good, but I did this. <laughs> I was so excited. I was just giddy with it. Um, and I've I my you know I've been mostly uh, almost entirely working on lyrics and and trying to sort of embrace some of that honesty and just sort of actually just go ahead and say things and without being just didactic or, or hopefully boring, but just be honest about what I'm thinking about and what's important and create not just narratives, but mostly little moments of sort of like... Oh, this is this is something I need to just express and and not hiding from it, which is terrifying for me, as she knows. So
2: not being obtuse in that way—that like, are, where you're. All of you my stories are third like,
3: person, and uh, these really aren't. Um, you know, there's a reason I, I speak through other people. Um, And in a way I am, I'm sort of speaking through Shawnee, I mean, her voice and her style and her persona that she presents, which is who she actually is, um, of, you know, is, is sort of the voice I'm using, but it's, you know, it's still very me and hopefully it's everybody's, I mean... Otherwise, you'd be like Shawnee would be just be like, "What? What is this?
0: About? <laughs> what am I see Why is there
3: what?" But um, but we seem to connect pr- pretty well. I think. On, yeah, on, yeah, for sure. On, on what we're saying and, and how it should feel.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um,
3: But we're terrified. What
1: if I wake up tomorrow bigger? Than-
2: Giant Me, the first song that Shawnee and Joss co-wrote together. And it's lovely, isn't it? And what a lovely story about how they met, because really, I mean, they talked about Ani DeFranco and the Grateful Dead, but the most interesting thing to me was hearing about how they inspire each other. It was like Shawnee called out to Joss via the internet, and he was able to respond to her and contact her. And then he started to inspire her, and now they've created this, like, positive feedback loop. And soon, we all get to hear the record that they made, together. Yay. Before we go any further, I want to let you know that I am a huge Joss Whedon fan. Like, I named my youngest daughter Willow after Buffy the Vampire Slayer's best friend, and my husband and I considered naming her Buffy. I'm that kind of fan. Just so you know that I was possibly, definitely, barely holding it together during that interview. And I just want to thank both of them for coming to talk to me. Next up is Daisy O'Connor. She's a singer and a songwriter from Austin, Texas. And she has this incredibly quirky wordsmith quality. To her writing. She's actually friends with Shawnee. Shawnee lived in Austin, and that's why Daisy moved here. She released a record last year called Doobie Doo, and she came into Studio 1A to do a session earlier in September 2015, which of course I will post a link to. And afterwards, she sat down and talked about a song that unexpectedly showed her this entirely new path for her life. So here she is, Daisy O'Connor. <laughs>
5: transformative song in my life is actually one artist and everything that he's written basically but it all started on a rainy cold February day in Bellingham Washington me a 22 year old burnt out angry queer feminist social worker him Gregory Allen Isaacoff playing to 10 people in a living room in my friend's house
1: when songs just like. Prayer. Like gospel hymns that you call in here Come down, come down, sweet reverence Until my simple house and rain, and rain
5: My friend dragged me to this house. I did not want to go. I didn't want to be there. I didn't like singer-songwriters. I thought they were completely self-absorbed, pathetic. Terrible human beings, because I didn't know much about it. I'd been homeschooled. We didn't listen to music other than like Christian music, and there weren't really singer-songwriter genre that I got into at least. So all I'd seen was like the really emo kid at the coffee shop, and like the really like self-absorbed, like really like, you know, people that weren't touring. They just like kind of got a gig every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like people like that. So I got dragged to the show and sat in the back, all kind of like angry because I didn't want to be there. And the second he started singing. I was completely floored. Like I just was like in a trance, couldn't move on the couch for like an hour and a half. And as soon as he was done playing, I just got up and left. I didn't like give him a hug. I didn't say <laughs> hi. I didn't say anything to anyone. I just like I didn't no, know like, what it happened. Good show. No, I was just like, I don't know what just happened. To me, and I went home and I got all of his albums and I started listening to them like all the time. Whoa! So,
2: (laughs) so you're 22 and you're like an angry, burnout, social working feminist, yeah? Who's no
5: longer listening to Christian music? No. So, like, what kind of music are you? I didn't listen to? to much music for quite a while, but then when I discovered Gregory, I was like, oh my god, that's that music is like the kind of music. That resonates with my soul like something about Gregory's music felt accessible to me I'm a very simple kind of farm person at heart and Gregory is that he lives on a farm he's a gardener he's a poet he doesn't like a lot of people and crowds gotten to know him and open for him and he's become a friend and mentor in my life so there's like personal cool. similarities
2: that you guys share. yeah was it also the fact that you were sitting in someone's living room and there were like 10 people there so he literally was accessible like you could have
5: yeah walked up and given him a hug I could have you chose
2: to like I was look com- out of there yeah
5: I'm still really shy about that I usually don't talk to people after shows if I'm feeling very brave I will but I still feel this weird shyness about approaching other artists yeah we're, it's such a vulnerable thing that he's doing and that a lot of artists that I gravitate towards do that I don't necessarily want to, like, bum rush them at the end of the show and be like, oh, that's awesome. it's like they might have a lot of feelings right now after sharing all of that with all You're of us. You're more like, I'll let you process. I, I need my I, space to process. I'm such an introvert. I'm like, I need my space. You get your space. It's all good. So were you playing music at the time? Like, were you...
2: No, no like not not, at not all. an instrument how you did you know how to play guitar at all yes
5: i taught myself how to play guitar on beatles songs
0: blackbird singing in the dead of night take these broken wings and learn to fly
5: and praise and worship songs
0: open the eyes of my heart
5: When I was 14, I saved up money from selling sheep in 4-H to buy my first guitar. Seriously? Yeah. (laughs) And so I sang songs for Jesus. Cool. And then I realized I was queer and left the church and lost... Like all of those songs had no meaning for me. And that had been the heart of why I got into singing songs was for Jesus. So I had this dark night of the soul for about four or five years. I worked at a domestic violence shelter. I moved my way up in that, but I was really burnout out and angry. And it's easy to be burnout out and angry when everything you're surrounded by every day is really, really tragic. And when you're seeing people every day who are having their worst day and it's your job to help them through. Yeah. So, as a former social worker myself, I can say it's really easy
2: to burn out, like, yes, very, <laughs> very quickly. Um, but you didn't
5: play music during that time no. during that four years. I had a guitar, it sat there in the corner, and I would pick it up every once in a while in my bedroom and like play, Jewel, you were meant for me.
1: I hear the clock at 6 a.m., I feel
5: so far from where I've been. Oh, and my roommates would walk by and be like,
1: is that a recording?
5: We, you sounded so good. And I was like, oh, thanks. And not pick it up again for a year. But eventually at a potluck, I think it was after I discovered Gregory, a friend handed me a guitar, They're passing a guitar around. I was like, oh what can I do? I don't even remember what I played. No recollection, but I played something and everyone was like, whoa, you're so good. I was not that good, but they were really nice. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I can do this. And I started playing songs with my friends. We started a little trio band and started gigging out in town. And Do you think that if you hadn't heard,
2: if you hadn't gone to that house concert, if you'd said like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm just going to stay home. And oh you hadn't God. seen that. Do you think that
3: that I wouldn't her <laughs>
2: singer-songwriterness would would have been opened up
5: to you like I don't know. I I think it probably would have some point sooner than later, mm-hmm. but I also could see my former self just being like, "Uh, no, I can't do it for like a long time." So, am so I it might not have happened. It's a bit of a catalyst to like start getting you in there. Yes. And now I'm kind of at the phase of career. Gregory was at the at that point where I'm playing in living rooms and I'm playing small venues and traveling around. And I think that's something that would scare, burn out, upset a lot of artists, but it's completely what I expect. Like if there's five people in a living room and it's a town I've never played before and I'm booking the shows, I'm doing all the promo I'm doing everything myself, I'm like, Great, there's five people here. This is a starting place. Well, and you also know that like one of those five people could have their life totally, totally. changed by it's that experience. Exactly. So. Exactly.
0: Oh, Maria,
5: won't you come with me? I called your name around the rosary.
2: Chuck Berry said, it goes to show you never can tell, Daisy had no idea what kind of lightning she was going to get struck with when she went to her friend's house. Her life was changed for the better that night, which for me speaks to the power of saying yes. Like, yes, I'll go to the show in your living room, even though I don't feel like it. Yes, I'll play a song at the party. Like, you say yes enough, even when you don't feel like it. Maybe you just might find your way to like you yourself and that's it we've come to the end of another episode of this song this song is a production of KUTX 98.9 it was produced and edited by myself Elizabeth McQueen and David Sanger the interviews were recorded by Cliff Hargrove Thanks to Peter Babb for everything he does for KTX. He has now moved from being our booker to our digital content manager. And welcome to Deidre Gott. She is the new booker at KTX and we're glad to have her on board. Our theme song is Mahoot by Austin's very own hard proof Afrobeat. You can email us at this song at KUTX dot org or tweet us at this song KUTX. You can subscribe to this song along with the other KUTX podcasts, liner notes, song of the day and Austin Music Minute on iTunes or follow us on Stitcher. And like I said before, if you like the podcast, we would love a rating or a review. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time.